The Pyre, July 19th. By the time it was all over, the whole thing was a blur. A blur with sharp edges. We don't really know each other, each of us was thinking. Yet we live with each other our whole lives. The days pass and pass, and we take it all for granted. We see each other at the funeral, and it's all different. What can you say to people when you see them like that? Funeral after funeral, the same people show up. And somehow, as the list of attendees is whittled down slowly, new faces appear in the chase. Who is in first place? Who is in second or third place? This is the race where those in the lead envy those taking up the rear. Life, the long, lonely race that it is, has moments of validity at these times. And there they are again. The whole crowd, minus one or two old, familiar faces. Great-grandmother and great-grandmother have been gone for some time. Their legacy will remain, and how could it not, when two people had turned into five, then twenty, then fifty. And yet, one person is also the product of eight different great-grandparents. How this mathematics all makes sense, I do not know. I remember wanting to talk to those eight elders, one or two each day in one long week, and to try to figure out how their stories would differ. Had their young days been like ours? even though they had been ravaged by war and hunger and who knows what else. They too had surely been superficial, greedy, lazy young people. But they had also known poverty and depravity, as we all had to greater or lesser extents. They had been interested in movie stars and musicians and held curiosity for the world before the point came when suddenly they were the wise ones, the elder few who had more to teach than to learn. A room full of pictures, a room full of mementos, all made mysterious and indecipherable in their absence. The ceremonies have finished. The only thing left to do is to create the pyre. For this, the coffins are placed in the living room and filled with flowers and poems and letters. They are covered with all of the clothes that were left behind, then blankets, then towels. Piles of furniture are placed all around, 
and the kitchen is stocked full of food. Meat and vegetables in the refrigerator, chocolate, ice cream in the freezer, with fish floating in the sink in a bowl of water filled with ice cubes and floating flower petals. Next to the refrigerator, in a storage area, is a case of beer, bottles of whiskey and red wine, sake and sherry. Dogs and cats are milling about the floor, and untold numbers of cockroaches are swarming underneath the boards. What can anybody say about these processes, but that they are remarkable? All of life is present to recognize a life that cannot continue as it is known, a life that has moved on to some other place on the astral plane. The photographs are all there, placed at the bottom of the pyre. Newspapers and books are all there too, as well as countless art treasures. The relatives have all come, and for the ones who have passed on, carved effigies are placed in the entrance hall. Large paper boats and replicas of paper money, coinage, a large brick of gold, and another of silver. Pearls and diamonds are scattered about the floor, and the golden altar is illuminated by a dozen blazing torches. Perfume is poured onto the ground, and the air is thick with its smell, while pure olive oil is scattered on the walls. The final addition is a can of kerosene. Outside, the night is falling. It is slowly getting dark, and we are all passing around large bottles of whiskey. People are swigging straight from the bottle, and almost everybody is smoking cigarettes, especially the women, and most certainly the women who usually never smoke. Everybody's mind is polluted with crazy thoughts. Murder, violence, sexual depravity. We are all seeing dream visions in our mind's eyes. At that moment, a squad of laborers enters with a coffin carried on a type of wooden stretcher. The thing is massive. It is placed up next to the house, and a huge winch is placed underneath it. The coffin is winched up and up. At some point, it meets resistance from the walls of the house, which crumble under its advance. The house and all the things in it begin to crumble. It is at this point that I begin to have a vision of my own, that this is not my life or my world, and that I know none of these people. The coffin will turn into stone and utterly crush the house under it. All the neighbors will come out of their houses and throw gasoline into the fire. The fire will grow and grow and become a firestorm. Objects will be sucked into it. 
potted flowers, hats, masonry from the surrounding buildings, even some birds and dogs. A young child is almost lost. The crowd that has gathered is forced to retreat. Everybody's thoughts are emptied, and only pure survival becomes important. There is a mad scramble to get away from the burning house. The funeral guests run and pull each other down. There is a stampede and some are trampled. The fire catches on to the nearby houses and burns on and on. It follows a straight line in the direction of the river where it enters the water as a living thing carrying its own fuel with it. It tries to move across the river, but the current catches the rumbling pyre and pushes it downstream away from the other shore. There is an incredible amount of steam, and in the swirling patterns of the cloud, we can perceive shapes, the outlines of great-grandmother and great-grandfather being released and climbing the mist up to heaven.